Let's pray. Ooh. Oh, there he is. <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. Oh, Father, Father, Father. We're so in love with you, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Lord, we thank you that uh, you only have good thoughts about us. That's amazing thought. God, I just thank you that you never, ever think of me and go, oh, man. <laughs> no, like you only have good thoughts about me. Every time you think about me, it's a good one. Every time you think about anyone, any of us, Lord, you're, you're going, oh, that one. Oh, I love him. I don't have another one like him. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your love. Thanks that you loved us first. Whew. <laughs> While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a good deal. God, that we didn't have to earn your love. We never could have. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit here today. For your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That you rest upon us. God, that, that uh, your anointing is here. That, uh, God, I thank you that your anointing is on me. And that it is on each one here. That your word says that we have an abiding anointing. And so... Each one here has the anointing of God on their life. And so I pray you would anoint me this morning and anoint the hearers. And that uh, I thank you for your, your word and, and your, your seeds of revelation that will be planted deep in the soul that will grow up and produce great fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, listen. We're a little family style today, as, as you know, the nursery was not open, and that's why you may hear the life of a few young children in the room. But just know, I'm good, and so if you're good, we're going we're gonna to be all right. So just know that, it's not a distraction. You know, I think sometimes when you're sitting, in, when you're sitting and listening, do you ever get that? Like, you're nervous for the speaker, because you're like, are they distracted? Is that bothering them? Like, I do that, I don't know about you, if you do that, but I'm good, so... So if you're good, I'm good even if you're not, but but I hope you're good too. So, <laughs> amen. Um, I mean, Jesus said, you know, let the little children come to me. So he was all right with children around him. Besides, it's a good opportunity to let the kids be around the anointing in the corporate gathering. And, um, oh, man, I feel the presence of God so strong right now. Oh, listen, we're going to get right to this. Uh uh, for Rich, <laughs> Rich, that's helping me in one way, but in another way, it's making it quite difficult. <laughs> Thanks for the water, by the way. Rich stole my watch again. He said it's because I'm on God's time. So talk to Rich if you have a problem with that. Amen. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit, and I told you that we would be getting into the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to continue that at least one more week, maybe two after this. Um, so today, um, today I'm going to sort of pick up, um, I'm not going to recap today really, but I'm going to pick up right sort of beginning, like where we left off in the progression of, uh, we're teaching on the gifts today, gifts of the Spirit. 
And um, but the beginning, the beginning will be a little bit about the life of the spirit. But just realize that the life of the spirit uh, would be the context. But the point today is really about the gifts of the spirit. And ultimately, the gifts of the spirit is about letting God be God in our midst. Right. And I love how the scripture says that uh, that that if the the non-believer can come in to our gatherings and that they will fall down on their face and proclaim, surely God is among you. How many want to see more of that? Amen. (laughs) Me, too. And um, and so, uh, you know, when God starts showing up and and uh, and being himself in a way that's tangible and noticeable, um, it's a great blessing, and sometimes people get uncomfortable. And I would say, you know, it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable in the presence of the being who created everything. <laughs> but, but we don't have to be afraid. I think that's the main thing. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be apprehensive. We don't have to wonder. Um, we don't have to worry about being deceived. Yay, God. Right? Because if, if, uh, if being deceived was... Listen... If if uh, if the plan for not being deceived was to be smart enough, we'd all be deceived already. So, um, you, you know, it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. Um, being intelligent is no safeguard against deception. And uh, sometimes sometimes it sets you up more for it because you think you're so all that, you know, and um and uh, and so I thank God for intelligence. And I mean, a lot of people talk like, well, we're just a bunch of idiots, you know, wanting to glorify God. I'm exaggerating a little but You know what I'm talking about. And I'm saying, no, God has made us incredible beings with incredible capacity to receive revelation and knowledge and and to be very intelligent. And and just look, mankind is, is a wonder. It's a it's it's amazing. But God created human beings. And um, and so it, next to God, it says that the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. And even the this is the foolishness of God. There's nothing about God that's foolish. But the low, in other words, the lowest, easiest part about God to understand is greater than the highest wisdom of man. Way, way higher is they don't touch. They don't even touch. And uh, and so it says. As the heavens are above the earth, says God, so are my ways. My thoughts above your thoughts, my ways above your ways. So, so God's thoughts and his ways, how, how much higher and greater and different, let's use the word different, are God's thoughts compared to mine? Well, measure the distance between the surface of the earth and go all the way to the top of the heavens where it stops. Where's that? And then you're, you're getting close. So, um, so how many are thankful? But we have the Spirit of God who reveals the deep things of God to us. So it's not that they're unknowable. It's just that God has to reveal them. And so, <laughs> and so uh, I love that because that's not up to me to find things out. And therefore, we're back to the point uh, that um, it's not up to me to be smart enough. It's, it really is about being open and surrendered, which means I'm going to be willing to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be willing to admit that I don't know most things compared to God. And, um, and when God comes among us and he starts moving in power and pouring out his spirit in unprecedented ways, things happen that 
we may not always know how to navigate. You know what I'm saying? People go, well, the Bible says let everything be decent and in order. Yeah, whose order? Usually the person saying it thinks it's their order. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whoever's saying it is usually like, do it my way because that's what I like, you know. And, and nobody means it to be that way, but that is the reality. And so, yeah, decent in order, but it's God's order. And sometimes God's order uh, looks quite different than what we consider to be order, you know. Our order is like lined up and in squares and straight lines and, you know. And look at God's order. Look at creation. It's it's. It's thriving, it's life, it's, you know, I mean, he thinks better than we do. And, um, and so we're going to be looking today, I'm going to start in, um, uh, so we're going to end up in 1 Corinthians 12, as you might have guessed, since we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm going to start today, though, in uh, 1 Peter 2.2, 2. and I better turn there, 1 Peter 2.2, 2. um, Thank you, Father. And, uh, and so just setting this up for, we're talking about hunger, right? We're going to preface, um, I'm just going to get into it and you'll see where I'm going. Lord help, amen. First uh, Peter 2.2, 2, it says this, um, I'll start with verse 1, therefore putting aside all malice, and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. I want to start here, maybe a little uh, uh, different approach than you might have expected, but I want to start here because depending on the translation you have, it says uh, to crave or long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. It might say, and um, and so uh, number one, I just want to talk about the word crave because <laughs> we're getting into the gifts today, and 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 I want to point out that in the scripture there is a foundation for you know see like re- like religion is all kinds of like duty and form you know and rules but that's not what God has called us to God has called us to life and 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 when you have life. You have desire. See, so a lot of, uh, so many, um, I think, you know, it's, the enemy wants to shut down the flow of life. Life is supposed to flow. The Spirit of God flows. It's breath. It's wind. It has to move. God's always moving. It's always moving. Wind's not wind unless it's moving. Breath isn't breath unless it's breathing in, out, moving. Right? And so some people say, well, God's moving in the earth today. I'm like, God moves. God never stops moving. It's just where is he moving? And um, and so. But when we talk about life, we talk about we have we have desire, we have hunger, we have cravings. Amen. And there are healthy cravings and unhealthy cravings. But one thing's for sure. You are not going to be right. I mean, Ben and Jerry's ice cream can be a craving. And um, and so. It doesn't help me in my goals, but uh, tastes good. And um, and so um, in First Peter two two it says, "Crave the pure spiritual milk of the word." Now the interesting thing, if you look at this verse, if you really study it in the Greek, 
uh, not all the words that show up there in the English are actually in the original language. Um, and so, for instance, uh, pure, uh, so to crave means simply it means this means to long for, to desire, to pursue with love, to long after. It's actually such an intense word that negatively speaking, it, it, if this word crave was used for a negative thing, it's lust. So so it's this it's that strong of a desire. Um, but 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 it's to crave, to long for, to deeply desire, to hunger after crave, you know, and um, and so earnestly desire and to crave a possession, to want something. And uh, and I love that the Bible says to crave. Don't you love how the Bible commands us to, um, you know, there's a blessing for being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, right? It, we're actually commanded to crave something. It, don't you think it's interesting that we're commanded in the Bible to hunger and to desire certain things? Do you know why that's encouraging to me? Because it says that I actually get to choose where I focus my desires. That's amazing. And you know what the truth is, is that some people are trying to deal with unhealthy desires by stopping desire and turning off desire. You'll never win that battle because desire cannot be turned off. What you do with desire is you aim it. And, and when you and, and then so this is why, you know, everybody's hungry and thirsty. But there's a blessing for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You can choose what you're hungry for. You know, when I found that, like, if I desire junk food, you know, when you're tired and, and kind of worn down, all this, that's when you're really craving some, like, something sweet, you know, or something quick. And um, some junk food. But you know what I found? That if I say, no, I'm going to eat a salad. Or, no, I'm going to get whatever. Do you know when I choose that thing, when I eat that healthy food? I don't know about you guys, but after I eat it, I go, man, I'm so glad I ate that. I feel good, and I don't even want that stuff anymore. How many of you have ever noticed that? So you actually develop, you actually hone your cravings and your desires by what you feast upon. And it's a choice. And you get to choose it. And so here we take this invitation to crave the things of God. I love this. I love that God doesn't say stop. He says, no, no, just crave me. That desire, that craving, I made you with that. You think it's evil. It's not. It's just aimed in the wrong direction. I made you to crave me, to delight in me and to be satisfied in me. And that's why Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. It's good. And, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you won't want to drink more it means thirst because the water of the world you drink and drink, but it never quenches the thirst. It keeps you coming back for more. It hooks with deception and it brings people into cycles of unhealthy living of sin and shame and all the stuff that goes along with the fallen world. Right. But but when we but when we come and we drink the water of life that Jesus gives his spirit there's a satisfaction that fills the soul. And now you're full. And, and now you're like, I don't even want that junk anymore. Because this delight I'm feeling, nothing can match it. And, and so I'm not thirsty. In other words, you'll never go without again. 
You'll never feel like you don't have enough to drink ever again because you'll drink and drink and drink. Oh, you'll want more. I had a friend who said, you know what? The Lord tricked me on that because I've wanted more ever since. And uh, and uh, but anyway. Yay, God, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth who called it a godly dissatisfaction that you're always fulfilled, but desire is still alive. It's a beautiful thing. And this is how love is designed to work. That we will have a desire and that would be fulfilled. And that this is actually one of the things that this is what delights the heart of God. Is that he's created beings in his image who get fulfilled by gazing upon him and living the way that he's designed us to live. And then we overflow with joy and satisfaction. That's why he said the life I, he came to give us an abundant life. And you know, that's actually what God enjoys. That amazing what God enjoys is when you are living an abundant life full and overflowing and satisfied in every way hungry and craving okay crave long for pure it's simple I won't go long on this it means unadulterated uncut unmixed of the things without uh, dishonest intent Guileless. That's what Jesus said about Nathaniel. He said, he said, oh, remember, they go, come see, come see. We found him, the Messiah. He goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Honest as can be. Jesus finds him and he goes, I love this guy. There's nothing fake about him. Totally like it was the most unchurchy, like. You're not a good Hebrew, you know, and uh, but 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 Jesus, but Jesus saw to the heart. He didn't see a bad attitude. He just saw an honest heart and how quickly he that man responded to the Lord. Right. And that's what Jesus knew about him. And he's like, I love this guy. He's honest. I can work with that. And um, and so. Uh, amen. Pure. So this is actually this pure. This is actually speaks of the nature of God. Then God, God's nature. So the Bible says that that God has no shadows. You know, light has no shadow. Have you ever seen when you light a match and you put it against like you put it up in a dark room against the wall and you shine a flashlight on it? The match gives a shadow, but the flame does not. Light casts no. There's no shadows in light. And God is light. And so the Bible says about God that God, uh, there's no shadow or turning in him. He never turns. He never switches. He has nothing hidden that's different than everything else you've seen. The thing, the beautiful thing about God is the more you gaze upon him, the more you go, there's more, there's more, there's more. It's just, wow. Like, can you imagine what eternity's like? We're going to need glorified bodies just to survive it. Just to survive the level of gazing on glory that we're going to experience. Because you'd just, you'd just disintegrate if you didn't have a glorified body. <laughs> I wonder if that's what happened with Enoch. We mentioned him last week. He was just like, he just gazed and gazed and he saw too much. <laughs> Where did his body go? I don't know. His spirit went straight up though. And... Um, got disintegrated by the love of God. He just got absorbed by God. Okay, I don't know. It's awesome. Uh, 
The nature of God. No turning. I just want to mention this. You know, Mike Bickle gave a word last year uh, that just hit me. And it's something I've claimed for myself. He said that in these days, God is raising up a group of people. And he said there will be theologians of God's beauty. Theologians of the beauty of God. People who gaze on God and just talk about the beauty of God. Theologians of the beauty of God. Feel the Lord on that. The word spiritual, craving the pure spiritual milk. Now, this is interesting because the Bible, uh, the, the, the um, translation that you have will give you different, uh, different wording. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up the pronunciation. I, I did listen to it and I've forgotten how to say it. But it's L-O-G-I-K-O-S. It's actually the word in the English that we get our word logic from. Uh, la... Lagikos, I think is how you would say it. Um, and, uh, but, uh, and, and it comes from the root word logos, which is word, the word of God. And, um, which is, which makes sense now why it says to crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. However, the word word actually isn't in the original. So it's to, crave the spiritual well it's an interesting word actually because for some reason translators translate it either reasonable or logical because it's the same verse in i think it's uh, romans 12 1 where he says um this is your um for this is so present your bodies a living sacrifice this is your spiritual act of service right or it says reasonable act of worship so it can be translated spiritual or reasonable. Interesting, right? But I love this because so many people think that spiritual and reasonable are at odds. Well, I'm just a realist. Well, who's reality? Are we anchored to earth or are we anchored to heaven? Are we people of faith or are we people who build our beliefs by what we experience and observe in the past on the earth? Or do we believe what God says and hunger after things he says and say, even if I haven't experienced it, if you said it, it's available, that's what I'm after. My son gave me, before I forget, my son sent me a prophetic word for us today, uh, yesterday. It's for Mountain Chapel. My son, Josh, he's 21. Let me find it. <clears throat> he said he felt a clear word for us at Mountain Chapel. That we, that, ooh, it's a good word. Get ready. We're receiving a corporate word right now. I said, son, that's the word of the Lord. And I've heard this word. Um, it's been repeated from different sources. So I love when the Lord confirms it. It says, uh, so let's believe together for this. It says, um, as well, uh, let's see, that Mountain Chapel will not be known for past revival, but for, but for a current one. He said, there's a fire on the hill. I see the Lord pointing to the fire on the hill right now. I feel to say that he is making it seen and known what he is doing right now. At Mountain Chapel. Something special is happening there. Can you feel it when we meet? There's a stir in the spirit. And that's, that's, how, that's how I've been describing it when I talk about it. It's a stir. There's a stir in the spirit. 
And, uh, and, and last week we experienced kind of a explosion of, of freedom and, and God's doing that in our midst. And so, um, that's a good word. God's doing something today. We're so thankful for the history and for the, um, the foundation and the well that we're a part of. But I tell you, God's doing something today. <clears throat> so this word, spiritual, pertaining to speech or speaking, I'm going to, sp- I've got to speed this up a bit. Um, pertaining to reason or logic, spiritual, pertaining to the soul, God's logic. That's actually what it is. It's God's logic. It's his way. In other words, here's the point that I want to make. There is a spiritual realm. God is, a, is, is spirit. We are born of the spirit. We are living a spirit life. And we are to crave the things of that spiritual realm. And, and, and this is all that we need to receive and experience what God has for us is simply a hunger, a desire. Where will I set my focus? The Lord said to me one time, what, what, what you, your focus will determine your feast. If you don't like how you're feeling, and you don't, then you've got to look at what you're eating. And what you're staring at is what you're eating, what you're thinking about, what goes through your mind, what you rehearse, what you say out of your mouth. This is your diet. And, and, uh, and so your focus will determine your feast. And so, uh, so a lot of people are thinking like, oh, I just wish I had more of God. And I'm like, well, you know what? Just look out. If you just look at them for a while, just look at them. Forget about the thing is, is when you try to start working for something. You know what I mean? That like, ugh, where's God? What am I supposed to do? What do I have to do to get more of God? Just relax. I've done that too. I've totally done that. Sometimes you catch yourself, you know, working. You, you know, but you just catch yourself quicker. Wait, you just stare at it. And your focus will determine your feast. And pretty soon you gain momentum in that direction. And you feast and you feast and then it's all you see. It's the principle. There's actually a principle this is what I call it. Um, this is just what I call it. I call it the principle of magnification. What you stare at, you become more aware of. That's why David said, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. So, so David understood this principle that where, whatever I, wherever I stare... Like, I, it begins to magnify, and pretty soon it's all I see. And you stare at God long enough, and then people are like, oh, things are bad, things are bad. And you're like, where? God's, can, can I tell you what happened? Somebody got touched down. I mean, you know what? Buck picked up a couple of, I, he doesn't Buck picks up a couple of hitchhikers a week ago. They get saved in his truck, right? Yay, God. Like, oh, so-and-so got healed over here. Like, you know, oh man, there was such freedom in worship. Oh, so, you know, TJ got saved. You know, he gave his life to the Lord. You know, you know, it's like, what are you focusing on? And pretty soon people are like, it's so bad. And you're like, what are you talking about? Let me tell you what's going on. And then before you know it, you're like, wait, there's actually an awakening on the planet. That's what I see. Ah, oh, political turmoil. Yeah. Wow. God is moving. God is moving. And, um, and you know, light destroys darkness. And just by the way, you know what, like when, when you're light and you're shining, 
You don't have to go around thinking like, what's the darkness going to do? You know what it's going to do? It's going to vanish. I've never seen a flashlight concerned about the dark. Wherever it points, the dark goes away. We're not even a flashlight. We're more like a, just a, a torch. We just shine light in all directions. You don't even realize how bright you shine. You know, you're shining when you think you're not. You could be, you could be, you could be having not your best day at work and people still see something different about you because you have the Lord inside of you. How much more when you're aware of it and you're blazing? You know, the Bible says, uh, be ready to give an account for the hope that you have. The best kind of a, I love all forms of evangelism. The best kind of evangelism is explanation evangelism. When you've got to answer questions for why you're so different. I like that. I like that. I, I, I've, you know what? I've worked in manufacturing and warehouses. I always love when people ask. What's different about you? Well, you're always singing or happy or whatever. And like, it's like, yeah, not just in church. In the warehouse too, man. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I'm like, man, my work, the way I drive a forklift for Jesus. That forklift just became like a flag. I'm just worshiping the Lord with my forklift. <laughs> I'm doing it for him, so it's worship. I got to get to the gifts. You guys doing all right? My whole point of that is what is spiritual is logical. It's God's reason. It's God's logic. What is spiritual is logical and we are to crave. And ultimately, I love it because this is actually the gospel. Is that heaven invades earth. That God takes on flesh. That there's no more separation. Do you realize that's what happened? Do you realize this is... Do you realize that if two armies come out for... You know, like like in Braveheart or whatever. Maybe don't watch that movie, but... It's an awesome movie, but, but, um, you, I mean, you know what, you got your fast forward for a reason, but, but like, but that movie is awesome. And, uh, and so they line up for war, right? And they send out two people to mediate, right? You know what's going to happen. It ain't going to work, right? Cause we all lined up, you know, they're like, well, we didn't get dressed up for nothing, but, but they're like, they're like, they line, they line up, you know? But here's what's amazing. This is what the gospel is. There was only one guy on that field. There wasn't a mediator for mankind and a mediator for God who had to come to an agreement. God said, I'll become man and I will perfectly represent God to man. We know that part, right? Here's what you don't realize. Then as a man, Jesus turns around and he perfectly represents man to God. And he says, hey, we found peace. That's what happened. Isn't that amazing? So heaven invades earth. And that's why God shows up among us and moves in power. Because these aren't just a bunch of ideas. This is God among us. Let's look into this. 1 Corinthians 12. Yeah. So we say he made it there. He did it. Um, <laughs> amen. Okay, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be aware. Uh, I have the NASB Bible here. Um, and depending on, but the, the word gifts is italicized. 
If you have a translation that italicizes words, the reason it does that is because it is saying to you that word is actually not in the original text. It is a word that was added to help you understand the meaning of what was being said as best as the translators could could figure out. And they do a great job. But I would like you to just think about this. If you take that word out now and just read it how it is in the original text now concerning spiritual now concerning the spiritual brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. So God. So so Paul is saying, I want you to be thinking, aware and mindful of spiritual things. All right. It does use the word gifts later, the word charisma. But in the beginning, he's saying, just be aware of the spirit, the spirit realm. Spiritual. This is a different word. It's uh, it's uh, pneumatic. I'm not going to say it, but it, it's. It's a word that the root is pneuma, which is spirit, wind, breath. When you say the spirit of God, it's pneuma. And this is the spiritual. In other words, what this word means is the things pertaining to the spirit. And then that word pneuma, in case you're interested, I am a bit of a geek and things like this. I love it. Uh, it's, it's neo, which literally means breath or to blow gives you an understanding of what of 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 like the things of God when you look in and you just consider and allow him to speak to you. Gifts. All right, let's I'm going to keep reading now. uh, You know that um, when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is a curse and no one says. can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's good. Let's do it again. Holy Spirit. That was better. That was good. Now, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all people. <laughs> but... To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. About the gifts, they are for the common good. Is the AC on in here? Could you hit that button, Dave, please? I just realized everybody must be cooking. It, it, it cools down quick. Um, thanks, Dave. Uh, so, so what do we have? We have gifts, ministries, effects, and manifestations. Has anybody ever noticed that? You usually get right to the gifts, but you don't really realize that, you know, I'll explain why I'm, why I'm expounding on this in a minute, but, but let's just realize that there are gifts, charisma, there are ministries, which means service. You know, everybody's like, I want to be in the ministry. Do you know what ministry just means service? That's so important, you know, because in, in the church, we're like, I'm at the ministry, brother. But you're like, yeah, you're serving. That's awesome. That is awesome. But it's not high and lofty. It's like a towel over my arm. It's what Jesus did. That the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Come on. If the Son of God comes in the flesh and He says, I didn't come to be served. He deserved to be served. But He said, I didn't come for that. I came to serve you. 
He served with everything he had. And he still ever lives to make intercession for us. Yay. Effects. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an effect or an ob- observation. It has to do with energy, observation. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's actually from the word active. Okay, so the spirit is active. The spirit is about service. And the spirit has gifts. And the spirit has manifestations. Which means simply that God shows up in ways that you can see, hear, and feel. Amen. Gifts. Here we go. Verse 4, 5. Nope, 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith. That's a gift. By the same Spirit. And to another gifts of healing. By one Spirit. To, to another the effecting of miracles. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. God gives his gifts to whoever he wants. The one thing I love about gifts is they're gifts. Can't earn them. You can work all day. If I have a gift, you can't earn a gift. Whoever I give gifts to is who I decide to give them to. You can't earn them. Wages are earned, right? That's why I'm glad the kingdom is about gifts and not wages. It's the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. So it's always about gifts. And I love this. They're like, it's a gift. And, uh, and so we can sow and reap. But uh, in other words, what I like about this is that you can get saved yesterday and you can have a gift of prophecy on your life. That's just outrageous and amazing beyond what, you know, it doesn't matter. Being a veteran Christian doesn't make you more susceptible to gifts. Because they're gifts. And that's why if you're not careful, you can miss, you can miss a real good word from the Lord because you go, I know your life. I know what you're struggling with. You know, somebody gives you a word or an encouragement, you're like, I like to be aware of the fountain, you know, that I'm drinking from. You know what I'm saying? Like I spit out the bones and everything and chew and, 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 you know. But I'll tell you, like, if you're looking for God, you can receive a word from a child. You don't want to judge the package that the gift comes in. But gifts, word of wisdom. Let's look at this. Word of wisdom. It's wisdom. It means a broad and a full intelligence of God's perspective. Do you know you ever be you ever be in a meeting and then and then you're talking about something and then somebody just has been quiet for a while and then you just say one thing and you're all that that's what we've been that's what we needed right there you know I had a, I saw a friend do that once it was like counseling somebody for a long long time and then somebody goes just said like kind of like one phrase at the end and he goes he looks at him and he goes he goes uh, Man, I wish you would have just said it in the beginning. We could have been done a long time ago. Like, it was like, you know, and um, I was like, it's awesome. So word of wisdom. In other words, it's God's perspective. That's actually a spiritual gift. It's something that comes by the spirit. Word of knowledge. Now, a lot of people hear word of knowledge and they think healing. It's a healing ministry. However, there's nothing in the scripture that really delegates the word of knowledge to a healing ministry. There's not. 
And a lot of people think a word of knowledge, well, somebody's getting healed. Like, no, it's knowledge. It means that you know something suddenly that you could not have known naturally on your own. You got it from God, supernaturally. It's a good word. And, uh, and so, a word of knowledge. Now, it can be, it can be uh, healing. It can be uh, for healing. It can be simply, simply something about somebody's life. It can be something about your life, about anything, any knowledge that God has available. And I, and I think that we miss out. You know what? The things we receive are according to our faith. It, when we prophesy, we prophesy according to our faith. And so sometimes we're just not uh, experiencing more because we have such a, our faith is just like a limited beam, you know, rather than a wide open surrendered faith saying God can do whatever he wants. I like, I know that God can do this much. This is what I've experienced. And somewhere along the line, I have decided that I have seen how God works and I know what he does. And then I solidify and then I go, well, no, that's, that's not how you have meetings. That's not how that happens. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, God changes not. Yeah, but we better. Like, I mean, God doesn't change, but you haven't seen all of them. And the fact is, you're never going to see all of them. Forever and ever, you're going to be seeing more and more of his glory. So it's so silly to think that we know. And half the time, the things we think are God are just are just like the the format that somebody decided along the way and the methods. And we think methods are God. God actually doesn't even care about methods. I don't think God cares about how if you have people come to the altar to get saved or whether you have them run out in the parking lot and get saved. Like, he doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't care if we do worship and then offering and then announcements. He, it's just how we do it. And he goes, that's good. I'm good with that. So when we change things, we do things different. It rocks our boat because we're creatures of habit sometimes, you know. And, and ultimately, what that comes down to is getting our security kind of in what we know rather than in God. And if we're called to be sojourners and people who are adventuring, I just want to challenge us. Let's never settle. Let's never settle. Let's remember that our mansion's in heaven, but here we got a tent. <laughs> Tents, you pull up the stakes and you move them. The cool thing is you can stretch them out. You can do all kinds of stuff with tents, but tents, tents are meant to be moved. And if, we're, if, we're, if Mountain Chapel, we are a place... This is a place where people encounter God. This is a place where God is free to move. And, 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 and if we're going to be people uh, camped around the presence of God, you know what? Don't worry. I mean, here's the thing. God's nature is never going to change. So you never have to worry. Like, it's not going to suddenly get bad or anything like that. It's just it could be different. Ian e. Bounds said, God, man, uh, man looks for better methods. God looks for better men. And it's men and women, but it was just an old book. And they just only had a reference for men in ministry. It's men and women. But, but people look for better ideas, better methods. And God uses your ideas. But he uses your ideas only for one reason. He didn't choose your ideas. He chose you. And empowered you. Now, Jesus said, you're right, when Jesus sent him out, he goes, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and, and now I send you. And he didn't go, now guys, when you lay hands on them, make sure that you, you know, like, don't, don't do this. And then, like, have at least three catchers. And then, like, 
You know, like, I never saw that conversation. He goes, go. And I think he was like, you know what? I expect you guys to, to think about stuff. You're smart. You know? All right. You're empowered. We're empowered by God. Yeah. Side note. Word of knowledge. I'm going to get back to this. Word of knowledge. Couple, I, couple, I, um, Oh, man. Guys, I need help. Okay. Um, all right, word of knowledge. Let me tell you a couple cool examples. Um, a spiritual father of mine, I may have shared this here before. Uh, word, this is word of knowledge. What can a word of knowledge look like? That's kind of my point here. Uh, one of the youth ran away years ago. They, drive, they drove up into the parking lot. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, and um, they drive up in the parking lot and they go, so-and-so ran away. As soon as they said it, uh, like a movie screen window, visually to his eyes, opened up over, over the car. And it was like he looked into a, like a portal or a, and he saw a picture. And he saw the young lady standing and he saw where it was on a bridge just like a few miles away. He goes, I know where she is. Let's go get her. He jumped in the car, drove straight there. That's a word of knowledge. Came by a vision. An open vision. We can talk about different visions later. When, when Josh, my son, was just a little tiny guy, we had this, um, there was a, uh, the, the toilet in the master bathroom. For some reason, the, the water had like minerals in it, you know? Have you ever experienced that? And it, you could just, it just had this certain, like, I know you're talking about a toilet, but, but like the, the, it was like this mineral smell. It was really kind of distinct. And it didn't matter how much you cleaned it or whatever. It was just in the water. It was the minerals. And, um, and, uh, and when the kids were little, we were always like, keep those things shut because, you know, safety, the whole bit. And um, I was like, I was like way out in like one of the living rooms and I, I smelled that smell. That smell came really strong to me, like a, just a waft. And, it, and then it, that was it. And I went, that's weird. Why would I smell that out here? And I walked back into the bathroom, and the toilet was open. And uh, Josh was running around. He was just a little guy. I believe that was a word of knowledge. God was like, hey, heads up. Danger back there. Oh, cool. I went and shut it. Smell. I smelled that. There was a word of knowledge. It could be for healing. All kinds of different things. You can have a feeling in your body that's a word of knowledge. On and on. It can come through any senses. There's no box for it. I think it's important to realize that when Paul was talking about the gifts, do you realize that when he's talking about the gifts to the Corinthians, he wasn't saying, guys, now there's some, there's a few things that I'd like to start happening around here. Let me tell you a list of gifts that I'd like to see that would start happening in the future. That's not what was happening. This place was booming with God. The Corinthians were, they were experiencing the Holy Spirit and people were prophesying and there was words of knowledge and, and all this stuff was just happening. And Paul was going, OK, let me explain that to you. And there's some other things uh, that was going on there, some points that he was he was it was like as an apostle, it was a shepherding writing. Teaching them how to handle the gifts that were already happening among them. I love that. And that's the cool thing about God is that often with God, we, we, we experience him and then we get the understanding later. Actually, historically, if you look at how the church has gone, what you will see is seasons of great outpouring, which I'm convinced aren't supposed to stop. But anyway, seasons of great outpouring and then 
later, after a time of great outpouring, what happens? There's times when, like, there's no teaching sometimes in these meetings. Like Azusa Street, they just came and the power of God was there. There were lightnings and, and, and manifestations of glory and healings. And read about it. It happened. And, and it, was, it was a Pentecostal revival. And, um, and nobody, nobody was like, let me just read about like lightnings going up and down in here real quick. Like, no, God was just doing stuff. And, and, and it's out of the box. So I grew up with this list and I was like, the nine gifts, there's nine gifts. And I'm like, no, I think Paul was addressing things that were happening in their midst. And yes, these are gifts of God. But in Romans, there's a whole other list of gifts that are happening. And I've experienced things that I'm like, I don't know where that fit. I, I mean, it's kind of like a mixture of this one and that one. Like, you know, it's like, no, it's that's why he says, I don't want you to be unaware of the spiritual. And so what God is doing is he's inviting us into the things of, of God, the deep things, and to experience him in ways that maybe we never have before. I mean, you know what's not in this list? And you know what? We just give names to things, but. Open visions, trances. Like, have you ever, I know you guys have experienced... I've, I've had this happen a handful of times in my life where I'm just laying in the presence and then all of a sudden, I don't know where I go, but like you just drop in deep somewhere and you don't even know what happens until you open your eyes again. And I'm like, I open my eyes and I'm like... And you, when, I, when, I, when I woke up, and this has happened a, a handful of times, when I woke up, there is such a deep, thick glory of God upon me that I'm like, I feel like I've been in heaven. I don't know what happened. You know? I don't know if it's been five minutes or two hours. I don't know. And, and I've had it happen by myself, and I've had it happen with groups. With two, I've had, I had it happen on the lobby of BSSM with a friend of mine, Gene. We were like just praying together. The students were down in class. We ended up laying on the ground. And then I don't know how much time passed, but we both kind of came to. And we went, whoa, what happened? I realized he'd experienced the same thing I did. So I'm saying that there's more than just this list. Okay, gift of faith, conviction of truth. Can you guys give me 10 more minutes? I know, I know it's late today. I want to get this. Yeah, thanks. I know Rich took my watch. He's happy about this, but I still like to respect our day, your day. Um, a gift of faith. Okay? It, I like this because, first of all, faith is a gift. Okay? Here's the beauty of it. None of this is a competition. Right? None of us are like more awesome than the other because we prophesy more than each other. We speak in tongues more than each other. Or I have a gift that's different than the gift that you have. It's not a competition because that'd be a dumb competition because God would ultimately be deciding who wins. Because you don't have anything that God doesn't give you. Like anything you have God gave you, you didn't even be alive if God didn't give you life. So how can you really boast about anything in life? And when you really think about that, pride is the dumbest thing ever. Because you're, you're, you're like grass. Says. Your, your life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while, you know, and then, you know, and you're like, it's you're like we're all in the hands of God. And so, like, if you've got gifts full in your life, just flow in it. Well, I don't want eyes on me. 
You know what? It'll be eyes on God. You know, a lot of times, I'll tell you what, I just, I feel like this will set somebody free that sometimes we go, you know, because what the religious voice says, when you go, I got a word, I got a prophetic word, you know what? It's not about you. You know that, that voice that the religious spirit wants to do? Hey, it's not about you. The religious spirit will accuse you of pride when all you're trying to do is steward what God gave you. And, and you go, uh, you know, and then, and then you'll go, and, you'll, and then you'll, you'll eventually adopt that. You'll believe those lies. And then you'll go, I, I got a word, but, I, you know, I don't want the attention on me. It's, it's not about me. And, you're like, and you think that's humility. That's not humility. That's self-centeredness, actually, because all you're doing is thinking about how you feel when eyes are on you. And I can say this to you because the Lord has said it to me. You know, when I'm like, well, well, and, you know, and the Lord, I'll tell you, it's freeing when the Lord says, it's not about you. You know, it's amazing. People say it and it means shut up. God says it and it means speak up. God says it's not about you. Oh, that means I can dance in worship. Because it's not about me. I can wave a flag. I can dance. I can lift my hands. I can give a prophetic word. I can preach the gospel. Well, you know, you were complaining all day yesterday. You had a bad day. Who are you to proclaim the gospel to somebody else? The, 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 the accuser will say. Well, you know what? It's not about me. <laughs> That's his worst day ever when you say that. So, um, well, the worst day was when he, Jesus rose from the dead. And then there's actually an even worse day coming. <laughs> Lake of fire. So um, <laughs> we're not going there, but the devil is. And um, and so uh, it's good to remember that. Um Faith, a conviction of truth. I, I like to say it like this. It's an unwavering belief. Now, we live with faith and we can grow in faith, but there's a such thing as a gift of faith. And when it comes on you, it's an amazing thing because it's like this boldness and this, assur- this surety that comes with it that you're like, I just know. You don't even think. You don't process it. You just are so sure. I remember I had a gift of faith when we were called to move to Reading. Like, people were like, have you even, like, I was like, I applied, I don't even know if I applied for the school yet. I think I did, but I'm like, we're moving. Like, I'm moving my family. I'm praying. I'm like, God, open the doors to Reading. I heard from the Lord, and I'm like, we're going, man. I was, my face was set, and this was 17 years ago, and um, I'm moving my family, a couple little ones, you know, and some little lady in the church goes, have you been accepted to the school? And I was looked at her like, I just thought, why would you even ask me that? <laughs> no, what does that matter? So, <laughs> you know, anyway, I knew where we were supposed to go. I did get accepted. Um, healings. The, the healings here, it, it literally means remedy or medicine. It's a healing. It's a healing. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know what, like working in the warehouse and doing physical labor, you know, I've had lots of opportunities to see the gift of healing work on the job for unbelievers. Let me just give you a little hint, by the way. Do you want to see more healings? Pray for unbelievers, because I'm telling you, they get healed. Like when you when you lay hands on a non-believer at work, I'd be surprised if they don't get healed. I'm just telling you. 
Christians get healed too. But I'm just saying, it's like there's something about when you step out in faith like that, God is so eager to show himself faithful both uh, to, and, and to show up for that person. Man, it's amazing. Uh, there's guy, this guy who uh, was throwing freight in the warehouse when, one time. His name was Jason. I said, how you doing this morning? I, I used to like to build a rapport. I was driving the forklift. I said, how you doing this morning? He goes, oh, my elbows are hurting me. I said, oh, hopped off. I went in there. I said, can I pray for him real quick? Sure. Oh, can I, can I lay hands on you? Okay. And no grit. I just laid hands on him and said, in Jesus' name, be healed. Whew. And he goes, thanks. And I go, I go, well, how do they feel? He throws a couple boxes, looks at me, throws a couple more, looks at me again, throws them hard. He goes, they're, they're better. I go, no pain at all? No. No, no pain at all. You know what I found out later? His elbows had been hurting. He was a young man. His elbows had been hurting him for seven years since he pounded posts in in a um, vineyard job that he had. His elbows had been hurting for seven years and God healed him and it stuck. That pain didn't come back. He he didn't tell me that until later. I remember another time at at that warehouse, uh, there was a guy, his name was Brandon as well, just like me. And um, I like that name. Anyway. You should like your name, too. It's the one you got. You should love your name. And God loves you, so just agree with him. And, um, and so, uh, so we had a conveyor belt between us, and we were both, we would throw, throw freight. For, it was hard work, man. It was like you could eat whatever you wanted because it was like working out for nine hours a day. And, um, and so uh, he goes, oh, his wrists were all taped, and they were hurting him a lot, pretty bad. And, um, and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, he's telling me. I said, can I pray for him? He goes, sure. Uh, okay. And I said, can I, can I lay my hands on him? And he goes, yeah. He, so across the conveyor belt, he puts his arms out. I grab his wrist. Same thing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, wrists be healed. And, uh, and he goes, thanks. It's funny. You've got to have people check it out because sometimes they don't even notice they got healed. And, um, and I, go, I go, how are they? And he goes, this, um, this is what happened. He goes, you're freaking me out, man. Like that. <laughs> he was so intense. And I go, and I go, are they better? And he goes, you, you're freaking me out. And he and he goes, he went back to work later that day. <laughs> I actually got him to just tell me that he was in fact healed. And um, gifts of healing. You know, um, one time when I, years ago I was working at a, a Parker Plastics in in Lower Lake, California. And, uh, and a guy uh, fell down on the ground, had a seizure. And he had like a seizure disorder. And he was having a seizure. You know, great guy. I worked with him for, for quite a while. And there was only like 25, maximum 30 people that work here. So you know everybody, you know. It's like a small, dysfunctional family. You know when you work somewhere, I shouldn't say that. But you know it is. It is. You know, it's just a family. And, kind of, and uh, anyway, he fell down. He's having a seizure. And, and, um, and I thought, I'm like in my early twenties, I go, I just thought I got to pray for him. And I'm like in the middle of the warehouse, you know, and and it was like where it was like all eyes, your center stage. And I thought, I'm going to do it. And I just started walking, you know, (laughs) like there's part of me that's like, ah, and I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. And I just went over there and I lay, I got down on one knee, laid my hand on his chest and I just prayed for him in Jesus name. 
got up. He started to come feel better. The paramedics came, checked him out. He got up and went on his way. He was fine. Yeah, and if you know about seizures, they like when they're that bad, they, they put people out for a while. Yeah, but he got, he got up and went on his way. Gifts of healing in the workplace. Amen. He does that. You know, I just love it when people think that you're peddling religion and then they get more than they bargained for. You know, we saw that in Ecuador. We'd go, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're, you're speaking through an interpreter, right? And sometimes God will use those things in your favor. It's kind of cool. You know, it's like, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah. Well, it's a Catholic culture, right? They were conquered by the Spaniards. So, so wherever where the Spanish went, you know, there's Catholicism. And, and, um, and so they're like, oh, yeah. And I, and I figured it out later on, which I'm glad I didn't figure it out sooner because it was working so well. I figured it out later on that what I think what they thought I was saying is, do you know about Jesus? Have you ever heard about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I go, oh, awesome. All right. Would you like to uh, would you like to receive him? And uh, and and then and then it was like again that Catholic culture I think was working in their favor. And they're like yeah yeah because and I figured out later I think they were like I can't, I can't say no to Jesus you know like kind of thing like well, if I if you can receive Jesus I better and so so they're like sure and we I just lead them in a prayer and this happened like a handful of times on that trip they'd pray and then as soon as they prayed. Holy Spirit, like, Lord, I'll, you know, I surrender my life to you. However you pray, there's no formula. You know what? Come. I want to be born again. And the minute they would pray, they'd go. They would look at you because the Holy Spirit just came inside of them. And they were like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't think you were going to get anything, but you did. You got born again. And I'm like, if you can get born again like that, that's encouraging. All right. Quickly now, effects of miracles. This is actually a, another way to say it is it's dunamis. And Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Dunamis power. Another word, another way to say to uh, uh, describe this gift, you could translate it um, actually is uh, works of power. And I love this works of power. It's really undefined. It's the power of God showing up. It's food multiplying. It's legs growing out. You know, uh, on that same trip in, in uh, Ecuador and others. And sometimes there's healing miracles, right? In fact, I, there's a healing, but sometimes there's a healing that's a miracle, right? Like, and, and in other words, uh, it wasn't like something was just hindering the natural recovery. It was like there was a problem that was miraculously addressed. For instance, there was a doctor there in the church, big, huge church, and he had a really bad uh, hernia. And um, and he was scheduled the next morning to go in for surgery. Well, the students got up. One of the students called out a word of knowledge. Hernias. God wants to heal hernias tonight. The guy had no faith. This is what I love. The guy had no faith at all to be healed. No expectancy. But he thought they called it out. I mean, I should just stand and get prayed for. And so he stood up. He got prayed for. Felt nothing. Went home. And he wore this thing, you know, this like break. The next morning he got up. He's thinking, all right, I'm going to get up and go and get my surgery this morning. He gets up in the morning, wakes up. No more hernia. Yay, God. So, you know, he didn't step. 
He was a doctor at that hospital that he was going to get the surgery at. Instead, he went to work, got his doctors around, and gave the testimony about how his hernia got healed. That's amazing. That's a miraculous healing because, you know, it has to, like, get all closed up. Amen. Prophecy. A discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Remember, all gifts are for the edification of the body. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, I don't know. You probably don't see that around here. But, like, you know, like, you grow up and, like, some people's words are always, like, they're bringing down the thunder. You know? You know what I'm saying? You called down the thunder. Get ready for the boom. But they're like, you know, it's like, it's always like this heavy kind of like, you know, God's not going to strive with man any longer or something like that. I'm like, dude, there's a new covenant. And, um, and so, you know, and, and so I just, you know, uh, who, who was it? Um, Why Revival Terry's Leonard Ravenhill. I think he said, um, he said, a lot of our discernment is actually suspicion. If you turn it on yourself for a week, you'd find out how it feels. <laughs> I like how Chris says, if you got a word for somebody, give it to yourself first. If you're not encouraged, don't give it to them. <laughs> you know, and it's not to say that we actually don't. The, the thing is, is that in the kingdom, um, it, it's not that we never correct or, or anything like that. And there are correction words. And there are warning type things that happen, but they happen typically in relationships. Or with somebody who is empowered in your life. And, and I'll say it at least this, this way. Um, if you've got a, you know, if you've got a something like, I would just say stay away from it really. But, but like if you, but out of love, see there comes a time where love compels me. I have to tell you the truth. I see a brother who's going astray. I'm concerned. Love says, you may not like me after this, but I love you too much not to tell you. Your, your future and possibly your eternity, like, actually, it, it has too much weight. I, I love you too much. I can't. I'd rather have you not like me for a while than for me to let you just drive off a cliff. And so I would say that, like, there are times for that kind of stuff. But, um, it, you know what, if it, if, it, if it isn't hard to do... You should wait till it is. You should get God's heart for somebody. And go with love. And um, it's always going to be better. Seasoned with grace and full of love. But, for the most part, all gifts are for edification. And again, even if I'm reaching out to somebody who's going astray, my goal is to lift them up and restore them. Not to give them the heavy. First Corinthians, so, um, First Corinthians 14, 1 says this. Finally, I'm going to skip all the way over. Next week, I'm going to, um, I'm going to uh, spend an entire, I don't know if I should tell you or not. Do you want to know? I'm just kidding. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm actually going to take a whole, uh, next week, we're going to talk about the gift of tongues, specifically. And um, you might say, how can you teach a whole message on tongues? There's actually a ton in the Bible about it. And I think it's important to understand what the Word of God says about these gifts. And um, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so we're going to dig into that and have a lot of fun. It's one of the most life-giving uh, things I experienced. But uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love. This means run swiftly in order to catch. 
a thing or a person. And desire gifts. Desire means to burn with zeal. Oh, you're just after the gifts. Well, the Bible commands me, actually, when it comes to the gifts, to burn with zeal, to desire earnestly, to pursue, to go after spiritual gifts. You know, I love about that God is so generous that he commands us to want the things he wants to give us. I got so much to give you. How much do you want? Yeah. And so much about the gifts, and, and in closing, so much about the gifts are... It's, you know, it's an impartation that you get. It's more caught than taught. And, and so it says that God gives gifts, accord, uh, each one, according to his will. What he desires, he distributes these gifts, right? This is true. What does this mean? This means that you see somebody first get born again. You know what happens? They start laying hands on people. Everybody's getting healed. They've got a, they've got a sovereign gift of healing. God has given them a gift, according to his will, of healing. Somebody else just has, like, they just have counsel in their life. They've got wisdom. It's a gift. And it just seems easy for them, right? You know, it, you know, like, you know, look at Fenton. You know, he's like super prophetic. And, and it's like, I think he probably just came to Jesus and was prophetic. You get what I'm saying? And he's prophesying machine. And... And, and he doesn't have to try for it. And others, I could go on. I could point other people out. But, but, but the point is, and then you go, okay, so if God gives Shelly prophecy and, and gives, uh, you know, Dave healing and, you know, so on and so forth. And actually, if we were to dig into that, he's like, we're not all the same body parts. We're all in the same body. We're all the same. And, um, and he goes at length to kind of describe that we're all different. We play different roles and we have different gifts. But then in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, now I want you to desire gifts. What gifts? The ones you sovereignly gave me? No. No, you don't have to desire those. You kind of wake up with those. Desire the gifts. Desire them. All the gifts. And then if you're wondering, especially that you may prophesy. So you may be a person that God didn't sovereignly give the gift of prophecy to you. As he wills, right? In other words, you're not naturally wired for... You're, you're born for it, but your natural way of thinking and operating isn't in the prophetic gift. Okay? And so, what he does is he distributes everything that he has for us among ourselves. So that when I get around Dave, I start hanging out with Dave. What happens? You know what? I've been hanging out with Dave. All of a sudden, i got more faith for healing. Now I'm seeing more healings. Wait a minute. I got to get the healing of my life. You know what I'm saying? Well, so-and-so is really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, some people, right? And, um, and, so, and, so, like, and like, so I'm like, I get around you. And wait a minute. Now I'm more aware of the presence of God all the time. I think, I think your gift rubbed off on me. Do you see what happens here? And so what we do often is when we compare with one another and we go, well, they got that. I don't have that. I wish I was like that or whatever. Right. We, we lock ourselves out. And the Lord's like, the Lord's like, no, I didn't place that gift there with Walt away from you. I placed I placed that gift there for you. Go get next to him. I had my spiritual father sit me down at a table one time and he goes, Brandon, somebody somebody sent me this dream. Let me read it to you. He goes, read it. So we read the dream. And he goes, what do you think it means? And I said, I don't know. I'm like, I listened, I tried. 
you know, I don't know. And he goes, well, and by the spirit, he began to interpret the dream. Well, something happened that day. I got an impartation. And it was interesting because there's no formula like this is how you interpret a dream. You know, I know there's books and everything, but really there's no formula. There is no formula, right? Seven doesn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Blue doesn't always, you know, a blue bird does not always mean whatever. It's like God is speaking. You need an interpretation to know what it means. Right. And and um, and and so you can't kind of teach the program of any of this stuff. But what you can do is you get around it and you get it. And next thing you know, people go, do you interpret dreams? And I'm like, well, you know what I say? I would say to my students all the time, do you interpret dreams? I'm like, well, there, somebody in the Bible said there's a God in heaven who does. Let's let me hear it. Let's try it. Just, I go, so I'll just usually avoid that question. There's a God in heaven. God interprets dreams. What was it? Tell me. I love dreams. And then often they're telling you the dream and you're like, mm-hmm. and then boom, you start to get the download. And it's so awesome. And uh, and so. So stir it up. Paul said to Timothy, stir up your gifts. So what are we supposed to do with gifts? Uh, we're supposed to desire them, right? We're supposed to pursue them. And then we stir them up. Now, I can have gifts that lay dormant in my life. And you might go, man, I used to do such and such all the time. But you know what? Stir it up. I love that, you know, Timothy was a young apostle. They call it the pastoral epistle, but Timothy was actually an apostle. Timothy, Titus, those were apostles, young apostles that were raised up under Paul. And Paul would send them out. And so, um, and what I love is that Timothy was an apostle and he had a big job. I mean, the church of Ephesus was no small assignment. And, uh, and, and, uh, and yet, I'm encouraged by this because Paul had to say to young Timothy, Timothy, stir up your gift. Why are you letting it settle down? Stir it up. Remember, I laid hands on you. You got a gift. Stir up your gift. And so I love that about gifts. You can stir them up. You can go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stir it up. I'm going to go to the store today. I'm going to see if I'm led to talk to anybody in here. And uh, I'm going to come to church today. I just challenge you to do this. Next week, when we come together, I want you to get up. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, who do you want to encourage today? And just look for somebody. And when you come in, you might get it right there. But when you come in, here's what you do. When somebody stands out to you, they might be your best friend. You might not know them at all. You just walk up to them. They stand out to you. Just go. Just go up to them. I'm going to go encourage them. You'll see. Watch what happens. Your gift will get stirred up. It'll start flowing. Oh, next thing you know, life is flowing. And, uh, and your gift, your gift is stirred up. And you know what happens then? The body is being edified, built up. That's, that was the word I wanted. Would you stand with me? Man, I kept you so long today. I uh, hope you won't hold it against me. Uh, well, almost, um, I just realized the time. I apologize. Um, I, um, love you too. Thank you. I really felt distinctly today that there was impartation. 
And the Lord showed me that this morning. And so I feel that there, I, I just feel it right there. Do you feel there's a move of the spirit in the room right now? And, um, and so what I want you to do is the gifts that we talked about today. Um, first of all, I just want you to allow, I just see desire beginning to be stirred today. I see like embers and coals and the flame and, and, and hearts and, and just saying, you know what, God, I want to do the fun stuff. You know, you're never out of the game. When you look at the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit in the Scripture, it was for the young, the old, the men, the women. Everybody. It's for everybody. And so as long as we're breathing air on this earth, we got something to give. We got something to give. And, and when we're given, when we're, when we're letting it flow, we, then we're going to be watered ourselves. So when I, when I stop focusing on what I need and I start giving away what God has, I find out that I'm overflowing with the things that I need. It's almost like, it's almost like if I seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, then, then all these things get added to me. That's what it feels like. But um, that should be in the Bible. And um, so quickly, close your eyes real quick. What gifts do you desire? Just say, God, I want that. You might say, I want them all. There you go. Whew. Hi. Whew. Whoa. Oh, 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 oh. Huh. If you feel the Lord like raining, it's like it feels like rain. It feels like it's pouring down over you. How many feel that? Raise your hand. Like you feel like you feel an outpouring over you. Yeah, there you go. Go ahead. Just that's the Lord is that's an impartation. If you don't feel it, you're still getting it. And that's okay. It's just good to see what God's doing and then you can know you're getting it too. So, Lord, we thank you. We honor you. So, God, I thank you for these days of outpouring uh, here at Mountain Chapel. I thank you that you've empowered your people. You've gifted your people. And I thank you for a stir and a hunger in Jesus' name.